Brick Moon Fiction presents Homecoming by Lauren A. Forey, narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle. Mr. Bernaducci stuck his head through the door, the chatter from the gym behind him leaking into the darkened hallway. Less than five minutes, ladies. The gentlemen are almost finished. Mask down, Katie. Katie Grenadier rolled her eyes. Why can't we do homecoming like every other school, Katie? Yes, Mr. Bernaducci. She snapped the mask back over her face. Ava, watching the interaction from the back of the line, tasted vomit. She itched at the rubber band of her mask that dug into the soft skin behind her ears. Her cheeks and nose sweated beneath the plastic. The amount of the hairspray glued to her head made her almost as sick as the dozens of bobby pins scraping across her scalp. One of the girls had doused herself in what smelled like lemon and rose perfume, making Ava wipe her nose with her sweating palms. She wiped her hands on her dress, bumping the small purse across her chest. Glass clinked. Ava grabbed the purse to steady it and glanced side to side to see if anyone had noticed. She fingered the vial inside, felt the glass stopper. Line up, ladies! The four girls ahead of Ava straightened their shoulders, did last checks on their hair. Ava clutched the purse with both hands. All she had to do was take it. No purses! Mr. Bernaducci towered over her as he held out his hand. I, I, uh... You can have it back after, he waited. The vial felt like it might break in her fingers. I just... She glanced at the other girls primping their hair. I just have to fix my lip gloss? And now presenting. Quickly, he put his hands on his hips. Ava turned her back on him and fiddled with the latch of the purse. It wouldn't open. The girls inched closer to the door. You have to... I know! I'm sorry! The purse clicked open. A crash echoed from inside the gym, sending Mr. Bernaducci running. The first girl was called as Ava clasped the vial. Then the second. She pulled out the stopper. The next girl went inside. Ava drank the vial's contents. Purse! panted Mr. Bernaducci, running back to her side. Leave it where it is, he shouted over his shoulder. Ava flung the purse over her head and tossed it to Mr. Bernaducci as her number was called, the vial still in her fingers. She walked into the harsh glare of the fluorescent lights and made one wish for every bobby pin jabbed into her head that Aunt Michelle had been right. Ava? Ava pulled her sweatshirt hood over her head and scrolled through Cami Martinez's latest hashtag Inktober sketches on Instagram. Ava! The sweatshirt wasn't enough to block out her stepmom's voice. Footsteps sounded on the stairs. Ava? What? She shouted at the closed door. I need you to come downstairs. I'm busy. It wasn't a request. I'm doing my homework. Uh-huh. The footsteps moved away. What's that supposed to mean? I didn't say anything. You implied something. Just come downstairs. Ava released a muffled scream into the sleeve of her sweatshirt, then pulled its ties until the hood was so tight only her nose poked through. Ava? I'm coming! She let go of the ties and grabbed her phone, typing out a quick tweet to her 14 followers. Why does she always do this to me? Adding a gif of a panda banging its head against a tree. Ava! Okay! She checked her Twitter feed as she shuffled down the stairs. 
watching Becca Newberry's latest hashtag ham karaoke video and winding her way into the kitchen where the smell of dad's garlic bread got her to look up from her phone. How much longer? Another 15 minutes. Dad tossed a tea towel over his shoulder. Bridget's in the family room. Can't I? She reached for a piece of bread. Dad flicked the towel at her hand. You can go to the living room. But be nice. Fine. She refreshed her Twitter feed and shuffled into the family room, where the evening news droned in the background. Hey, there you are. Uh-huh. She plopped into the rocking armchair, curling her feet underneath her. The volume on the TV was lowered. So there's something I wanted to talk to you about. Ava thumbed through Snapchat. Katie Grenadier was burning her chemo headscarves. Are you pregnant again? Bridget laughed. God, no. Don't you think one of your sister is enough? Don't tell your father I said that. Ava shrugged. Katie had nicknamed each scarf. Dylan Sprouse was now making his way into the fireplace. It's actually something to do with you. Well, something for you. You guys got me a car? She laughed as Katie cut up Chase Becker, the scarf named after her ex. No. Look, it's hard to have a conversation without the other person looking at you. Uh-huh. Your phone, Ava. She sighed and stuffed it in the pocket of her sweatshirt. Her eyes drifted towards the TV and the white-haired newscaster reporting on the latest hurricane. Mr. Bernaducci called. He told us what happened in English. Nothing happened in English. The TV went black. Ava watched her stepmom set the remote down on a stack of legal briefs. You're right. Nothing happened. That's what he wanted to talk about. Ava raised her free hand to shield her eyes from the light as she made her way up onto the makeshift stage at the front of the gym. Amid the static of students chattering and mic feedback, when she looked out from the stage, all she could see were dark blurs where groups of students gathered below the stage. Axe body spray and Bath and Body Works Japanese cherry blossom wafted up to the stage. Her knees knocked under the taffeta skirt of her dress. Applause caught her attention, and she saw the first princess of the homecoming court. Katie Grenadier, the only one to lift her mask backstage, take the mic. The crowd recognized her from her voice alone as she hollered, What's up, Pequa Knights? The glass vial grew slippery in Ava's sweaty palm. She closed her eyes and took a deep breath. Come on, she whispered, her lips barely moving. Come on! She pictured the green liquid sitting in her stomach, doing nothing. More cheering sounded, but Ava kept her eyes shut. The next girl was speaking. Mackenzie something from the girls' softball team, she thought, but then the voice was lost to the sound of her own heartbeat. She gripped the vial so hard she thought it might break in her hand. There were only two more girls before the mic would reach her. Please, she thought as hard as she could. The thump, thump, thump of her heart turned the laughter from the crowd into background noise. She listened to her heartbeat as it slowed like a clock winding down. A tingle traveled from her chest into her arms and legs, down to her fingers and toes. Ava took another breath and opened her eyes. Could have greater ramifications. Ramifications? Seriously? especially when it comes to college interviews. A lot of colleges don't even do interviews anymore. Bridget took a deep breath. Public speaking is an important life skill for... I don't want to be a lawyer. For many professions. 
You'll have to do something in your life other than play on your phone 24 hours a day. I told you I'm not playing. Bridget held up her hands. That's not the conversation we're having right now. She sighed and picked a red envelope off a stack of manila folders. Here. What is it? But Ava recognized the envelope as it was handed to her. The other kids at school had been carrying them around for days. Girls giggling in bunches. Guys nudging each other in the shoulder. I got you a ticket for the homecoming dance. I don't go to the homecoming dance. Or any dance. Dad knows that. She handed the envelope back. My mom knew that. Bridget wouldn't take it and wouldn't meet her eye. This isn't an option, Ava. I've also spoken to your principal and Mr. Bernaducci, and you're not only going to the dance. You're going to be on the homecoming court. Ava jumped out of the armchair. Nope. No way. Never. Not going to happen. The popular kids vote each other onto the homecoming court. They don't even know my name, so how would I... Bridget smoothed her skirt. Oh my God, you gave Principal Pasternak money, didn't you? It's called a donation, and technically it came from the firm. You can't... Dad! He answered from the kitchen. It's already settled. Ava stared at the envelope, wanted to tear it up. But like in English class, at the front of the room, the index cards for her presentation in hand, she froze. Unable to do anything but stand there as her face turned red and her palms began to sweat. Ava. You, you awful, you awful stupid. Her knees stopped playing bumper cars beneath the fabric of her dress. The lights were hot, but she no longer felt like she was melting. Everyone else still smelled like they'd bathed in the body fragrance aisle at Walmart, but she no longer needed to be sick. And everything looked clearer. The students on the gym floor remained cast in darkness, but were now distinct shapes. Identifiable clusters of people instead of a homogenous blob. You've got this, whispered the voice in her head. The voice that sounded like her mother. You take the mic. You say a few words. You hand back the mic. Everyone votes for Katie, and they forget you were even up here. They won't even learn who you are. Easy peas. She smiled and exhaled, now almost eager for her turn, eager to get it over with and prove her stepmom wrong. Ava waited for the mic and listened to the crowd's laughter, but she heard it differently this time. People weren't laughing along, they were laughing at. The girl beside Ava had frozen, and it was becoming obvious she hadn't worn waterproof mascara as a soggy black line tricked out from underneath her mask. Ava grabbed the mic. Dinner came and went while Ava screamed into her pillow. Her hand clutched for her phone, but it was gone. Taken along with her freedom for the next two weeks, at least. She should have kept her mouth shut. Why was she good at that in any situation other than at home? She lay in bed for what seemed like hours without her phone, but it was only about 45 minutes when she checked the clock. Pretending to need the bathroom just so she had an excuse to leave her room, she opened her door and almost stepped on the plate of spaghetti and garlic bread left in the hall, along with the red envelope and a post-it. Saturday, 10.30. Time to meet Aunt Michelle. Hey! Not cool! Do you guys want to get up here instead? Huh? 
Do you want to wear these stupid party city masks? The laughter quieted. I didn't think so. So why are you laughing? Do you know how awesome these people up here are? Look at number one. I mean, we all know it's supposed to be anonymous until after voting, but we also all know it's Katie Grenadier. And do you know what Katie's done this year? Katie kicked cancer's ass. Sorry, Mr. Bernaducci. And she still had time to convince Principal Pasternak to give us 10 extra minutes for lunch. And that's awesome, right? The crowd murmured. I said that's awesome, right? They cheered louder. And number two? I won't tell you who number two is, but let me say, back-to-back state championships. And there's only one team who's won a championship lately, let alone back-to-back. And it's not the football team. Sorry, guys. She moved down the line. Number three, she has the most amazing singing voice I've ever heard. And she'll probably be Taylor Swift famous one day, but will be so cool about it you'd never know. And number four, this girl was still crying. Ava put an arm around her shoulder. This girl can draw. Like, seriously draw. But the reason she's up here, the reason you nominated her, is because she fought for us. When the school board wanted to suspend us for participating in the walkout, she went to the board meeting and spoke on our behalf, and she got those detentions revoked. So come on, don't laugh at her now because she's... A figure moved through the crowd, as clear and as bright as if the light came from within her. Because she's... Ava didn't know what to say next. College students passed by in ones, twos, threes, ignoring the girl in the faded blue sweatshirt who loitered at the entrance to the forest lab. Glass and steel buildings surrounded the brown brick science building, making it look like an ancient crypt that had been unearthed in the city. Ava shuffled the heavy wooden door and reached into the front pocket of her sweatshirt before remembering her phone remained locked in Dad and Bridget's safe. Different scenarios for running away crossed her mind, but all of them ended with her returning home to face the wrath of her dad and stepmom and the continued loss of her phone, maybe even permanently. So she drew the sweatshirt hood over her head and shouldered her way through the door. The signs to Lab 203, which Ava assumed would be on the second floor, actually led her down a metal spiral staircase into the basement. The stairs clanged beneath her sneakers, and the smell of corroded metal and chemicals, which reminded her of her high school chem lab, grew stronger as she descended. At the bottom of the staircase, she met a door with the numbers 203 pasted on it in black and white stickers. Ava knocked. When no one answered, she tried the handle and found the door unlocked. The neon-lit lab was more modern than she expected, with a bank of desktop computers along the wall and rows of tables stacked with test tubes, beakers, pipettes, and other equipment she recognized from school but couldn't name. What she didn't see were any people. Hello? She closed the door behind her and looked lengthwise down the long room. She heard something bubbling and a faint beeping like a microwave. Ava rocked on her heels. Hello? Her watch said 10.43. Did Bridget even tell you I was coming? She muttered. Of course! Ava screamed and jumped. A goggle-covered face with a toothy smile appeared behind her, a steaming mug in hand. Sorry! With her free hand, she pulled the goggles to the top of her head. Bad habit! I was in the kitchen, back here. Come on in! She went to sip from the mug, then stopped. Whoops! (laughs) Wrong mug! She dumped the contents into a beaker on the counter, 
a neon green steaming concoction, then waved for Ava to follow her. Ava could see now how the seemingly straight room contained a sharp 90-degree turn that led to a small apartment-sized kitchen with a round table and two chairs, sink, microwave, and fridge, all of which looked scavenged from the 80s and 90s. Do you want some coffee? She set the dirty mug in the sink and grabbed two others from a cupboard. Wait, are you allowed to have coffee? Dad says I can. Okay, cool. Oh my God, Ava, you've gotten so big since the wedding. You weren't at the wedding. Michelle cocked her head to the side. I wasn't. Oh, wow, I guess not. But I've seen the pictures. Bridget put them all over Facebook. The way she rolled her eyes made Ava smile. Do you have any sugar? Ava asked. Oh, yeah. Michelle grabbed a box of single-serve packets and set it on the table, then sat down without the coffee. Oh, right. Sorry. It's not that I'm not thinking, she said, getting clean mugs. My brain just thinks about other things instead of thinking about what it's supposed to be thinking about in the moment. Ava shook a sugar packet like she'd seen her dad do in diners, then tore it open. In addition to the goggles, Michelle wore a white coat with a brown apron underneath. A pair of heavy-duty black rubber gloves lay on the counter. Um, Aunt Michelle, what type of scientist are you? Excellent, excellent question, dear stepniece. Ava cleared her throat, found her voice. Because she's nervous. Don't make fun of her because she's nervous. She blinked, but the woman was still there. The woman in the violet dress, smiling at Ava. The tingle receded from her toes and then her fingers. Her heartbeat sped up. Everyone was staring at her, waiting for her to continue. Everyone, everyone up here is awesome. So it doesn't matter who you vote for. Any of them deserve it. She felt the sweat in her palms again, her heart getting faster and faster. And everyone was looking at her, including the woman who shouldn't have been there. Her arm began to shake, then her knees, and she wanted to sit down. But she still had the mic. And everyone was still staring. Double doctorate, biochemistry and psychology, specializing in phobias and anxiety-related disorders. When is the last time I saw you? Michelle leaned across the table, mug in her hands, examining Ava like she was an experiment. You haven't. I mean, we've never met. But haven't Bridget and your dad been married for, uh, like, five years? Eight. They just had their eighth anniversary. Huh? I really need to get out of this lab. Ava tried to sip her coffee, but this was black and dark and not nearly sweet enough. Nothing like the coffee frappuccinos she sometimes snuck into Starbucks for on her way home from school. Without a word, Michelle went to the fridge and returned with a bottle of the prepackaged sugar-filled Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee Ava always tried to sneak into Bridget's shopping cart at Walmart. Thanks. How did you... Michelle winked. The more pressing question is what would be so important that my sister would actually consider me an option? Instead of pressing Ava for an answer, Michelle waited. Ava had the feeling she could have sat there all day without Ava saying a word. So, in fits and starts, Ava explained what happened in English class. The dance, Pequa High School's weird tradition of doing homecoming court like a masked ball where no one was supposed to know who the princesses were, but of course they usually did, except they wouldn't know Ava, who had been a surprise late addition to the ballot. When she finished, she wasn't even sure if Michelle had heard half of what she said. 
The scientist sat in silence for a long time, long enough that Ava wondered if her dad would be here to pick her up before Michelle spoke again. Suddenly, she put her mug down. What do you know about mitochondrial DNA? Um, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell? Michelle smacked her head on the table, sighed, then jumped up and grabbed her gloves. Come with me. Ava followed her to the far end of the lab. Mitochondrial DNA is possibly the most sensitive part of your entire body. It, like, freaks out over everything. See, mitochondria have their own DNA. You inherit it from your mother in the womb. But mitochondria have limited repair systems. Now, stress puts a serious amount of strain on your cells, the mitochondria especially. Fight or flight basically keeps your mitochondria more on edge than an intern in a nuclear launch facility. For most of us, though, stress like that passes and we're none too worse for wear. But chronic stress damages the mitochondria, so much so that they dump their DNA into the cell's cytoplasm where it eventually gets into the blood. Do you know what happens then? Honestly, I have no idea what you're talking about. Don't worry. It's just my entire postdoctoral thesis. Anyway, the more stressed you get, the more broken mitochondrial DNA gets into your bloodstream where it doesn't belong. Once it's in the bloodstream, it actually acts like a hormone that mimics your adrenal glands, causing them to pump cortisol you don't need into your body, which can lead to more stress. The theory is that this is why stress causes physical symptoms like inflammation and other pain. I'm not stressed. I'm like the least stressed person ever. Michelle smiled. I can tell by the way you're wrapping those sweatshirt strings so tight around your fingers that you're losing circulation. Ava dropped the tie she hadn't realized she'd been holding. What I've been developing is a way to flush the mitochondrial DNA from a person's system, eliminating the adrenal gland response and excess cortisol production. She retrieved a rack of test tubes from a glass door fridge, each containing liquid the same neon green color she'd poured from the mug. Want to give it a try? The words dried up. The crowd was waiting for her to say more, but there was nothing more to say. Ava's tongue felt like a flap of cardboard in her dry mouth. She could think of nothing more to add, and she couldn't take her eyes off the woman who was there but wasn't there. Her hand was slipping on the mic, the empty vial slipping in the other. The woman's lips mouthed, Who are you? And then the crowd asked the same question. Various shouts of it echoed through the gym. Not mocking. Not teasing. They wanted to know. The other girls on stage, they too were looking, eyes asking through their masks, and Ava didn't know what to tell them or the crowd. When she looked back at the crowd, the woman was right there at the edge of the stage, smiling up at her. Ava dropped the mic and the vial, and she ran. If I drink that, I won't get stressed out? That's the theory. Ava took a step back. I'm pretty sure Bridget just thought you were going to talk to me or something. Like therapy? Not so much experiment on me? It's not an experiment. I mean, I guess it sort of is. But she wanted me to help. This is me helping. Ava examined the vials. So this DNA, the mitochondrial kind, comes from your mom? Well, not my mom. She laughed, then stopped. Sorry, I know what you meant. Yeah, it comes from a person's biological mother. And if I take it, it flushes her... It... I mean, it flushes it away? That's the idea. 
Michelle took one vial and handed it to Ava. Although your mitochondrial DNA will always be there, just not the broken bits that cause all the trouble. Michelle's phone rang from back in the kitchen. That might be your dad to pick you up. Could you put that rack back in the fridge? Michelle hurried down to the other end of the lab and made the sharp turn into the kitchen, out of sight. The one vial in hand, Ava carefully lifted the rack and returned it to the fridge, checking that Michelle was still out of sight. Ava pocketed three more before shutting the door. Ava ran until she got to the Subaru that Dad and Bridget had let her borrow for the night, but then remembered the keys were in the purse she'd given to Mr. Bernaducci. The thoughts of going back inside the school made her shake, so she ran some more. Her house wasn't that far. The cold air chilled her skin. The stupid heels she'd been forced to buy cut into her feet, so she took them off and tossed them into someone's bushes and kept running, the thin nylons doing little to protect her feet. She only paused to check over her shoulder to make sure the woman wasn't there. Home, she used the spare key to let herself in. Dad and Bridget were on the couch watching TV, but she ignored them and ran straight to her room where all night she repeated the memories of the homecoming dance, reliving the embarrassment of what she'd done, until finally she passed out. Her phone was on her nightstand the next morning. At some point in the night, as she lay in an unconscious heap of taffeta and hairspray, her dad or Bridget, probably dad, had slipped into her room and laid it there. Now sitting on the edge of her bed in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, the day-old hairspray and bobby pins fighting to maintain the updo Bridget had paid for the previous day. Her makeup smeared and feet scratched and sore. Ava stared at the black screen. If she didn't turn it on, she wouldn't check social media. If she didn't check social media, she wouldn't find out people's reactions to last night. If she didn't find out about people's reactions to last night, then last night didn't happen. She would hold on to that for as long as she could, or at least until school on Monday, whichever came first. The soft knock on her door made her jump, but Ava said nothing. If she said nothing, they might think she was still asleep. Another light knock. Ava? It's Michelle. Ava blushed. She forgot she had this trouble to deal with, too. Ava? Are you up? I have coffee. Ava imagined ignoring Aunt Michelle, Michelle going back downstairs, Bridget overreacting that Ava hadn't opened the door, the further arguments that would happen. She let Michelle in. As she shuffled back to the bed, Michelle closed the door behind her with her foot, her hands full with two large Dunkin' Donuts iced coffees. May I? She nodded to the bed. Ava shrugged and Michelle sat beside her, the bed sinking a bit. Your dad said you liked the dark roast kind with pumpkin spice syrup. She held out a cup. Your dad also had to explain to my sister when and why he let you start drinking coffee. That conversation should keep them both busy for a while. Ava took the cup. Thanks. The condensation wet her hand, and she thought about how much she had sweat last night. She probably stank, and hoped the sweatshirt was heavy enough to cover it up. How many vials did you take? Michelle waited quietly for the answer. Ava sipped the coffee. Three. So you had three plus the one I gave you. Ava nodded and took another sip. The caffeine and sugar woke her, made her feel a little better, which made her feel even more guilty. Do you want to tell me why? Ava chewed on the end of the straw. Michelle waited her out. Finally, Ava lowered the plastic cup. I didn't think one would be enough. 
She looked up to where a picture of her and her mom hung on the wall. Her mom in a violet dress and Ava wearing money ears. Their last Easter together. Mom got really bad anxiety. Like really bad. I think she had OCD too. Dad won't tell me, but I remember like waiting by the car while she would open and close the front door a bunch of times and how she'd always tap on the steering wheel before putting the car in drive. Her fingers started to prune from the wet cup. And Dad's always saying how much I'm like her, and I thought... She hunched her shoulders, tried to hide deeper inside her sweatshirt. I mean, she died of cancer. But I thought, what if she got cancer because she had so much of that broken mitochondrial DNA in her? And I have her mitochondrial DNA, and what if there's so much in me that it makes me... She closed her eyes. I just wanted it gone. All of it gone. So I drank one while I was getting dressed, and another in the car when I got to school, and another in the bathroom, and then the last one right before I got on stage. Am I going to die? Am I, like, addicted now, or... Michelle covered her mouth. Ava thought it was in shock or shame, but then she realized Michelle was trying not to laugh. No, Ava, I promise. You're not addicted to anything, and you're not going to die. I mean, everyone dies eventually, but, you know, not from this. Do you remember what kind of scientist I said I was? A biochemist? And? And psychologist? Ten points for Gryffindor. I am not a Gryffindor. I am such a Hufflepuff. Nothing wrong with kind and loyal Hufflepuffs, but it did take a lot of bravery, too, to do what you did last night. That wasn't me. That was your water and green food coloring? Ava looked at her. Michelle smiled. One of the oldest tricks in the psychologist's playbook. It was a placebo, Ava. I am working on a drug that would flush mitochondrial DNA from the bloodstream, but it hasn't been cleared for human trials yet. And even if it were, do you really think my sister would let me dose you with an experimental drug? Depends on her mood. Yeah, Michelle agreed with a smile. It probably does. Can stress cause, like, hallucinations, too? Not always, but yes, it can. Ava looked at her mom's picture, then down at the coffee. So if it wasn't real, the drug, why did you leave those vials out where I could take them? Michelle stuck out her legs like she was on a swing. Oh, you know, to see what you do. Sorry, can't help myself sometimes. It also helped me understand how scared you really were. And it sounds like you were pretty scared. She let her legs relax. But the point is, what you did last night, speaking out for your friend, you did it on your own. Ava shrugged. She's not my friend. She's just a girl I know. Are you sure? Michelle rose and tossed Ava her phone. I need some help in the lab on Saturdays, if you're interested. Come by and I can tell you more about the actual drug I'm working on, which, by the way, isn't remotely green. And you can wash beakers and earn experience for your college applications. No public speaking required. She nodded to the phone and winked and closed the door behind her. Ava listened to her go downstairs, where her dad and stepmom's voices were rising. 
Ava turned on her phone. Like her phone all weekend, the school was buzzing with talk about who the mystery girl had been. Everyone wanted to know who they'd voted homecoming queen in absentia. Speculation ran from a freshman transfer student to a returning recent grad playing a practical joke. Mr. Bernaducci and the other teachers weren't saying. The girl had done nothing wrong. She wasn't in trouble. And if she wanted to remain anonymous, the school was going to support that. Some thought she'd been stupid, but most were impressed. Everyone kept asking Katie and the other homecoming court girls, but they swore they didn't know. And they didn't. Ava saw them standing in a circle near Katie's locker before the first bell. She kind of sounded familiar, but I can't place her at all, Katie said. I even went through all my old yearbooks this weekend. Wasn't it kind of weird how she knew all about us? said Mackenzie. It's nothing we don't put online, said Becca Newberry. Practically the whole school follows each other on Instagram. I didn't think anyone noticed my drawings, Cami Martinez blushed. Well, I'm going to find out, Katie said. It's like my mission for the rest of the year. Ava took a deep breath and closed the gap between herself and the group. Lauren A. Forey, a frequent contributor to Brick Moon Fiction, was brought up in the woods of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where her FBI agent father and book-loving mother raised her on a diet of the X-Files and R.L. Stein. She earned her MFA in creative writing from Kingston University in London and was awarded the Faber and Faber Creative Writing M.A. Prize for her first horror novel, The Compulsion. Her debut novel, Abigail Hall, a psychological thriller, is available from Black and White Publishing. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.